Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I have an important show today. Listen in, everyone, because this show is one that I've been waiting for for a number of weeks. You know, everybody at Dotcom Magazine, we feel that education is so important. I mean, whenever we can bring somebody on the show that's a true leader in the space of education, we jump at it. And when my team brought me Miss Amy Valentine, the CEO of Future of School to my desk, I said, hey, we've got a booker. We need to book her right now. And we've been waiting to get her on the show. She's so busy. But Amy, before we get started talking about what you're doing, let me just thank you and welcome you to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Andy, thank you. It's great to be here. And I so appreciate that amazing introduction and the opportunity to be here to talk on behalf of education and students. I love it. I'm so honored to have you on the show. I've got so many questions for you. But before we really get into the deep dive, let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet, Amy, and tell us about future of school. Absolutely. So future of school, we're a national nonprofit. We are not a new a nonprofit that emerged as a result of the pandemic, which some people have asked us, we've actually been around for six years. And we are here explicitly to help transform the K-12 education system to one that meets students where they are, that integrates technology in their learning and in the, the tools that teachers have to be able to help them, to fundamentally shift how kids are educated so that we have a ready workforce, so that kids are more engaged in school, and so that we start to create these bridges among different sectors. Yeah, it's so powerful. Let's get started. You know, you mentioned about the transformation. You know, everybody is sort of thinking about that now, but from your perspective as a leader in the space, why do we need to transform it? Yeah, there's about 4,000 reasons that I could give you. Uh, but I want to preface it all by saying that the lens by which we look at school transformation, it's not negative. It's not saying this school is bad or that school is bad or this type of learning environment is better than the other. Really, it's about our society. When we look at the different verticals and the businesses in our society, education as an industry, education as a vertical, is the only entity that has not been completely transformed by technology. There's no other one. And so we find ourselves, you know, I'm a former teacher and teaching what it looked like when I was in the classroom 20 years ago, it's still in large part the same. How do I know that? I've been 
working in schools as a guest teacher. So I make sure I keep my pulse on what's happening. And it's very much the same as it was. So we set out on this venture to be able to share the stories of students who have used technology. They've taken online and blended classes, teachers who have embraced innovation, and also created some documents to educate society as a whole, because there's so much the average person doesn't know about. You hear this piece, you hear, you know, we're not lining up to our international partners in terms of test scores. You hear we're not um, performing in this way or funding. There's so many different pieces. We need an entity that's sharing agnostic, apolitical information with the end goal of transforming the system to meet students where they are and to engage them in ways that we never hear, I hate school again from a child. I love that. You know, it's so interesting. So when we think about something that you speak on quite often about this one size fits all system, you know, let's talk about that because currently there's somewhat of a one size fits all system. And where do we take it from here? Yeah, it's a great question. So the one size fits all it was really how our education system was founded. It was delivering content to students in this one-way environment that they were the recipients of, and then they could follow pathways that were aligned with where there were jobs in society. And it was almost prescriptive. You know, you're required, you're definitely required in the U.S. to go to school and, and to finish high school or to earn a GED. And historically it was, and then you continue your education, you get a four-year degree, you follow that position, you find that position, and then you, you know, buy the home and get the cars and do the things that, that people think will lead to happiness. Well, what happened was 30, 40 years ago, when technology catalyzed all of this change, the way that we communicate, the way that we buy our products, the way that we interface with each other, that was the cornerstone for the future but it never filtered back. It is yet to filter back to K-12 education. And we saw that we had this beautiful opportunity to see that during the pandemic when education took center stage and our society was able to see, oh, wait, I didn't realize how much schools do. I didn't realize schools de deliver, you know, that they had to deliver meals. They had to make sure kids had computers. I think there was a, you know, it was easy to assume Everybody has a computer. Everyone's on the internet. That's not the case. So the future of education is the smart use of technology to create adaptive learning environments where students are challenged, where they're not told to put that laptop away, put that phone away. They're actually using that as a mechanism and as a tool to learn because that's what they're going to do when they go into the workforce. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. And I know you have so many projects going on. One of them is the Resilient School Project. It sounds very interesting, you know, to go from crisis schooling to something else. And let's talk about that because that sort of uh, resonated for our entire staff at .com Magazine. Yeah, and I can talk to you. We could go on and on. I could go on and on about crisis schooling. So in its simplest form, we, you know, when the pandemic hit, Schools were not equipped to respond in such a short period of time. In a matter of 24 hours, there was an expectation that kids would be learning from home with the tools that they need, with trained teachers, and everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. But the reality was they didn't have a contingency plan. They didn't have, some of them did but it was the minority of schools. The majority didn't have backup plans. They were barely able to deal with snow days and making up those hours in years past. 
So when we made this great shift, which I give schools and leaders a lot of credit for because they stepped into it. Educators made workspaces in bedrooms and they found ways to create learning environments that they had in using computers, which some of them had never used before. And so there was growing pains. It was hard. It was hard for parents. It was hard for kids. It was hard for educators. I would go so far to say that it was easiest on the kids and most challenging for the adults. And so, yeah. And so you have parents who are now home trying to help their children and it was, it was tough. And you heard a lot of that remote learning, that learning from home, that even that homeschooling, which isn't what it was, right? It was crisis schooling. It was an emergency, a response to an emergency that would keep kids connected and engaged. And so we make, we make that distinction at Future of School because online and blended learning, using online systems, kids in these adaptive environments, that's been around since 1995 in the K-12 space. So there was this, this mass confusion. And it was, you may be thinking, okay, well, why, someone might say, why is that important? The difference between learning online and online learning. Online learning is an industry that helps kids, that motivates kids. It's a different way of engaging in your studies. And we didn't want that to be put into a box wrapped in ugly paper and put in the corner. We didn't want those two to be combined because online and blended learning is the way of the future, whether we're ready for it or not, it's here. So we have the choice to be able to adapt to it, to prepare our kids or to not. Yeah, that's powerful. What are some of the uh, misperceptions about technology and education that people have that you come across? Yeah, I would say the biggest one, and this is from a variety of different resources, lots of conversations, and this isn't new. These misperceptions aren't new. They've been around for a while. The first one is too much screen time. Well, my kids, my child's sitting behind the computer. That's too much screen time. Well, there's a difference between functional screen time and mindless screen time. And when you're learning and engaged in a math lesson online, that's very different from playing a video game that doesn't have an educational focus to it. So one of the biggest misnomers is around this, it's too much screen time. My kids are already on their iPad enough. I don't want them on the computer. The second one would be, well, if we use technology in education, then what we're risking is outsourcing all of teachers' jobs. That's simply not true. We saw in the pandemic more than ever a huge value and appreciation for our educators. It's the first time our country saw how the lengths that teachers go to to connect with their kids. Computers aren't designed in education to replace teachers. It's designed to make their jobs easier, actually. So we have this little like double bind. It's teachers, you know, the majority of teachers want to use it, any tool that's going to make their job easier but do they have the training in it? Do they have the time to train in it? So that would be the second one. And then to keep the list short and succinct, the third one I would say is socialization. There's a concern that if students are using technology, they're going to turn into robots. I'm being, you know, I'm overgeneralizing here, but they're going to turn into robots and they're not going to have the skills they need to interact with people face-to-face. When we look at the list of the skills that middle, mid-sized employers are looking for that they can't find in their employees, it almost mirrors 
the skills that are cultivated when students use technology as part of their learning. Uh, independent thinking, self-advocacy, technical skills, creative processes that, that you don't engage in unless you're using technology for your, for your educational pathway. So there's a lot of, and there's many, many more, but those would, would be the three buckets that I would say resonate with parents and people in general. And it's important that we address those. I love that question because if we don't know where the, where the barriers are to being accepting of it, we're just going to keep talking and we're not going to see true active change. Well, it's so thoughtful and well thought out. You can tell that you've spent so much time, energy, and effort thinking this through. You know, when I think about the educators and I think about the teachers, you know, many people know from watching the show, I talk about that, you know, I graduated from, you know, the university with teaching degrees and I, I love teaching as well. But something you talk about is creating an open space where educators can not only share their successes, but share their struggles as well. Let's talk about that because that seems to be a very important part of, of the evolution or revolution of education. Definitely. Educators, they need, they need and deserve that platform to talk about the successes that they have with children, to talk about what they're able to achieve in their classroom, and also to talk about the struggles. And I would go so far as to say, and we believe this at Future of School, that the same goes for students. When we look at K-12 education, it is the only, and again, I'm using a business term, it's the only industry where the consumers, the educators and the students are least heard from. We don't, we don't hear from them. Now, they may have their cohorts. The teachers may have their cohorts and students. You hear them talking by the water fountain. You hear them chatting by the lockers, right? They talk to each other. But when was the last time that we created a forum and asked educators what, what's working and what's not? And that we sat down with kids and said, what do you love about school? What would you like to see more of? And what makes it challenging for you? You know, when at my, my first day of guest, um, you know, guest teaching, quote, subbing, I asked the kids at the end of the day to write down if they wanted to. I invited them on note cards. Tell me something you would change about school and something you would love about, something you love about school. And it runs the gamut. They don't even necessarily need to know that their ideas are going to be integrated. But just to give them that space to share them helps them have ownership, both educators and students. So I know I put students in that bucket as well, but both of those groups are important. And for educators, we've seen a decline in educators. You know, we're going to start to reach a place where we're going to have, we've already reached a place where we've had staffing challenges and struggles this year. 48 states indicated that they had a shortage of special education teachers. Special education teachers are mandated by law. We have to have them to support the needs of our special education students. But schools are having trouble finding them. We, don't, we do not, as a society, want to reach a place where the people who are working with our students don't have the training, don't have the credentials, don't have the background, and don't have the passion to do it. We want, we want the, the star, passion-led educators with our kids. 
Yeah, it's powerful. You know, I call you an educational evangelist. And what you just mentioned about the special ed teachers, that's, that's so important. How does technology get incorporated into sort of the special education segment of education? How does that fit into what, your idea of what the future looks like? Great question. And, um, you know, one of my other hats that I wear is as a mom. And I have a child who was diagnosed with dysgraphia, which is a learning disability, and years ago. And so I have personal experience with this as well. So I'll pull a little on that and then take a big picture. Um, dysgraphia is a is to writing what dyslexia is to reading. So he struggled. He has struggled with writing. I knew nothing about it before his diagnosis. People said to me, "You're in education, you know." And I said, "I know nothing about that's a whole other field of it." So what I learned from my experiences firsthand is that things like dictation software, where he can speak into a tablet and then it gets transcribed for longer assignments, or he has the ability to voice to text for his assignments, that made that gave him the ability to be successful in class without falling behind. Because if, if the teacher waited for him to write that, they would have been waiting much longer than they had time for. And then he didn't have to take it all home with him for homework. Now, as he got older and became more self-aware, he stopped wanting to use those tools because he was the only one in the class that had a tablet. Why, should, why can't all the kids in the class have a tablet? Why can't all the kids have an opportunity to have a variety of ways to capture the knowledge that they've, that they've gained? So that's my personal experience. That's one very specific example, but it illuminates what's possible for special education students using it to help give them the avenue and channel to either learn or demonstrate comprehension or be creative, whether it's a stylus and a tablet or using technology for really brilliant kids who are gifted and talented. They're, you know, they're twice gifted, twice, twice exceptional. They can create apps using technology instead of sitting, waiting for the class to, waiting for everyone to catch up to where they are. Why can't they move forward to the next lesson if it's adaptive and meets their needs and demonstrates that they've learned what they need to learn? So there's a, there's a lot of different ways that that's possible. And I would even go so far to say that it, it should be in the hands of all of our students and our teachers deserve the training and the support to use that to make their lives easier and better. Yeah, that's super powerful. I mean, I, I can totally envision what you're saying. And that's a great way to look at it, not only from your personal experience in your own life, in your own family, but how to take that experience and sort of translate it to what's happening, you know, throughout the educational system, Amy. You know, you're a nonprofit. So if there's one thing, and I know you don't speak in one things, you speak in multiples, but <laughs> if there's one thing that you would want someone who's thinking about, you know, supporting you to know about what's going to happen with their money, with this vision that you have, what's the one thing that you want them to know about what you're doing at Future of School? The one thing that I want them to know is that there is a seat at our table for everybody. You don't, it, our organization is not just for parents. It's important for parents but we want everybody at the table. When we worked on our rebrand long before the pandemic and we did our target audience outline, we determined that we are, we are here for every American. 
that every American should care about education. It's the future of our country. It's the future of our workforce. It's the future of the stability of our country. And so what I would say is that as we grow, we will be creating opportunities for partnerships and collectives where all of the voices can be heard to be able to weigh in on what the future of education and what the future of school looks like. If we don't include business leaders, we're not preparing students. If we don't include parents, we're not preparing our kids. If we don't include students, really it begs the question, how are we designing a system that's meeting the needs of our end users? So I would say, as we move into 2020 and we create partnerships and a collective that says education, our K-12 education system is a foundational piece of our society that is changing, whether we want it to or not, it is changing and it is evolving. Let's come together to provide those scholarships for kids, to give the grants to teachers, to give districts funds that they need without having to wait and wade through red, red tape and bureaucracy. They deserve to have the simple things that they need. And I'll tell you, Andy, the average amount of one of our educator grants is $15,000. Teachers aren't asking for 100,000. Now, maybe if they knew it was available, they would. But what they're asking for is realistic money to transform their schools, to meet learners where they are, to create prepared citizens, better prepared citizens. Who can say no to that? Yeah, who can say no, Amy? We're going to bring you back on the show. There's so much more to unpack. You've got the student scholarship program, you know, the innovative educator prize, teacher support, all kinds of great things. You know, you spoke to the, to the educators. You spoke to the potential supporters. Now I'd love to sort of have you speak to the students. Maybe you could sort of talk to the K through 12 students and, and talk to them in a way that will resonate for them about what you see the future for them being uh, as you continue to lead the way with this charge that you have at, at your nonprofit. Uh, speak right to the students and tell them the way you see education for them. Dear students, at Future of School, we see you. And as the leader of our amazing organization, I see you. We hear you when, when you speak. We know you want options. We know that you, in deep inside, we know that you love learning. We also know that you're frustrated. We never want to hear you say, I hate school again. So much so that we're leading a campaign in 2022 called No More, No More, I Hate School. We're not going to convince you to love school, and we may not convince you to like it, but we're going to give your parents, your teachers, your schools, and our country tools that they can use to talk to you, to try to understand why you say that, and to give you some different words and phrases and a different kind of meaning so that you don't say that. Not because you're doing anything wrong, but because there's a better way. We hear you. We want to support you. We've been doing it since we were born, and we're going to continue to do that in a way that's much more emblematic and reflective of what you need. So we are having students on our podcast. I'm in the field talking to students, and you're excited. You're excited when we ask you about your, your educational goals, when we ask you 
What do you want your life to look like? What do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? Where do you want to live? We don't just ask you, what do you want to be? We already know who you are, but what, what do you want your life to look like? These are important questions. That's part of the future of school and the future of school will be built on the smart use of technology, not hiding it in our bags, shying away from it. So we want you to know that we're here and we're leading the charge for you. That is so powerful. I mean, that's just a wonderful message. I mean, I could imagine being a student and hearing you say that to me and just being lit up. I mean, that really is beautiful because as a student, I know that there's people that not only care about me, but are listening to me and they, they know and want to learn what my voice is and what I'm saying and what my needs and wants are and what my aspirations are. And that's all sort of encompassed in the future of school under your leadership, Amy. Wow, this has been a very quick half hour. I mean, we're going to bring you back on the show again. I mean, this has been awesome. I love what you're doing. I was so excited to have you on the show, Amy. Congratulations on what you're doing at the Future of School. I mean, it's super, super awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. This was, this was fascinating. It was wonderful. Thank you for the opportunity. 